Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Summer vacation, here we come. Yep, I packed the craft beers I got at Total Wine. Did you remember a bathing suit? No, but I did pack a bunch of summer wines. Whites, rosés, Zinfandels. Wondrous selection, helpful guides, ridiculously low prices. Total Wine and more. My name is Dave Hanready, and there will be no encore. Welcome to episode 146, The End Game, much like The Avengers. It's the big one. It is the big one for a couple of reasons. It is our last episode of 2018. It's been a packed year. Dahi, you came on board during the year as a full-time member. I did. Thank you very much for having me. How's it been for you? It's been great. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm kind of, I, I kind of came on kind of going, I'm a massive, massive fan of this podcast. Like, it was, that was my big, big push. And I was like look, you guys do so much work for absolutely no profit at all. And I was like, if I can do anything to help in that respect, then I would be happy to do it. And it's been really, really fun. And just like listening to the No Encore podcast, it's like, you know, I get this like really, really good full um, info on the week's kind of releases and everything. So I get to listen to stuff that I've never listened to before. And that's the real value for me. And also it's just like a creative output like anything, you know. Cool, Morgan, what kind of year have you had? Exciting. (laughs) (laughs) Big developments. Yeah, let's get to them, shall we? Let's. Well, first of all, this is our Albums of the Year episode, and, and we'll get to those, don't worry. Uh, yeah. However, uh, like, I haven't I haven't prepared anything. Like, I, I haven't rehearsed anything. Uh, I hope not. And we've had a couple of years, so I'm not going to get too whatever, but like, yeah, there's no easy way to say it. No. Uh, we've been doing this podcast together since the inception of it, essentially. So yeah. I'm going to just try and- March 2016. March 2016. I'm going to try and riff for a second. Essentially, um, this is a podcast on the Head Stuff Podcast Network, and I used to be the music editor for that website for a couple of years, during which time um, we did a few podcasts 
with Alan Bennett, who's basically the head stuff Mac Daddy, I suppose. And that's what he calls himself. And <laughs> it's on it, his business cards, yeah. <laughs> somewhere along the way, we actually did one together. We did like yeah. a hip hop special, uh, which he told that infamous anecdote in which we had to black out someone's name. That's right, which yeah. is very funny. Um, and somewhere along the way, uh, Alan was like, I'm going to give you your own show, probably just to shut me up. Well, I ironically did the opposite. Um, and the plan for me, when there wasn't really much of a plan to begin with for No Encore, was that I would host this weekly music show and I would try and bring in people uh, like on a rotating kind of guest chair basis. And I looked to Craig and I looked to you as my kind of obviously patient zeros, given our connection via coming up together in Hot Press Magazine and developing a friendship off the back of that. And also... Just flat out trusting you and kind of being like, you guys are really good at what you do and I think you would make me better. But, you know, given that this was going to be my own show, the ego was out in force. And I was like, <laughs> well, it's my fucking show. Like, the lads can come on, but it's my baby. But I think after that first couple of recordings, maybe even the very first one, it became apparent to me that the right move was to instantly go, no, no, let's make this a five-a-side team, but just three of us, and go from there. And over the past two and a half years, we've done an awful lot together. Uh, Dahi coming on board this year, making it a four-side team. <laughs> no goalkeeper. Last man back, essentially. Yeah, fly keepers. Uh, has been a natural development to that, and it even came through you. You know, you and Dahi kind of became friends before I kind of got to know Dahi properly. And it's all been... It, it's it, like it's, As Dahi points out, there's a lot of work that goes into the show, and there are times behind the scenes when it can get a bit kind of tense and a bit kind of whatever. I, I think the show, if you do like the show, it's because of all that hard work. And it is genuinely upsetting to finally say these words into a microphone that Colin Regan is leaving the show. Yeah. I uh, Regular listeners will know uh, that, yeah, I've got personal life things uh, next year. <laughs> Happy, um, happy, personal happy personal life, life thing. Very happy. In fact, Dave, Dave had his envelope to finish the last show. I have my envelopes to start <laughs> this oh show. My oh my God. This is why we're not incredible. going to be at Forbidden Fruit next year. Yeah. Holy shit. Um, so yeah, I've got a wedding to plan. I've oh got God. professional oh wow. stuff well. that's happening as well. I'm not going to say too much about that until it's a Thank little you. more uh, firmed up. But yeah, basically time is um, at a premium for me in the next while. And you know what? Like, as, as Dave said, the show does require a lot of hard work. It requires a lot of commitment. And honestly, you know, and it sounds trite and a bit bullshitty, I know. But if I wasn't able to give 100%, there's just no point. And, you know, the show can, can go on and do even bigger and better things in the future, I'm sure. And uh, if I'm not going to be a positive influence in that, then I should probably step away. And so now I will, and the three boys will uh, man the ship from this oh, point God. forth. I mean, this sucks so much. I mean, I need to say, like, in a very clear and no uncertain terms, that, like, I wouldn't have been listening to No Encore if it wasn't for you at all. You know, like, I met you through... Uh, friend of the show, brother Yosef, and mm-hmm. uh, I met you at some. What were we watching? We were watching American Super Football. Bowl. Super Bowl. Yeah. Super Bowl. I was too sick to attend. Yeah, and uh, basically, like, we got on so well and everything. And I was like, afterwards, I remember saying to Yosef, I was like, who the fuck is that guy? He's sound. And uh, Yosef was like, yeah, yeah, he runs this podcast called No Encore, and it's like, it's really, really good. And then got me onto that. And then I think we went to wrestling afterwards, and uh, I just remember gushing my heart out about how much of a fan I was about uh, about No Encore. I mean, I think the best thing about you, Colin, especially on this show, is that, and I've there's countless people that I've talked to who like really, really love the show, and they always seem to say the same thing, which is kind of like, yeah, Colin says the things that I'm thinking in my head, but says them in a way that's way more articulate than anybody else. And you come at this stuff with like 
absolutely like razor sharp like like summaries every single time and I, I don't think the li- listeners are kind of aware like say when I come into this show I have like a big load of notes I'm like taking notes and I'm spending all day or whatever you seem to come in here with absolutely nothing I don't know what the hell how does that work like but you just like literally just rattle this stuff off like it's off the top of your head and that to me is one of the most amazing things that I've ever ever seen like this is going to very quickly turn into one of those uh, Oscars segments where they like <laughs> venerate I'm yeah, they did that for a couple of years with the actor who was alive and had been nominated, and it was the worst thing ever. Oh yeah, I remember that. They talked it was about them. Awful. Yeah. Like 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 Morgan Freeman. How do we possibly? So I don't. We've already. Cullum is the Morgan we're, Freeman. We're, of, we're veering of dangerously towards that, and we know, listener. But I will say, I mean, to be fair, it isn't every day that someone who's been a foundation of the show mm-hmm. uh, essentially goes on a different chapter. And at that, I should note at that point, open door policy. Of course, of course. we will absolutely have worry. you back whenever we possibly can. But I just want to say from the bottom of my heart, um, I love what we've created together and I've needed it a lot in my life. And it's been incredibly um, important to me to have you here. And I'm really going to fucking miss you. Uh, I love you, man. And oh, thanks. Brother. Thank you so much for thank you so much for helping me uh, make the show what it is. And I said I wasn't getting emotional, but here we are. But uh, oh. it's, it's appropriate that I am because we're about to talk about music. So, <laughs> uh, but no, seriously, dude. Like, I mean, like, come on. Like, Dahi's right. You educate us every week on this program, and, and, and it's been a joy to listen to, even, look, even when I don't agree. It's with been you. a joy to be involved so, with it. So, uh, yeah. Yeah. Anyway, long live no encore. No more tears <laughs> because Sweetener's not on this list. <laughs> uh, once again, before we get cracking into our albums of the year list, uh, actually, again, if I haven't said it already, um, I, I sincere thank you to listeners. Uh, people who support this show as we've noted already not to fucking like sound like a fucking small violin but it, it is a lot of work so like do me that favor and just tell your mates because like that's how I find about podcasts I was recommended a really good podcast recently and it just, I never would have heard it if it wasn't for a friend and I binged through it and I loved it and I've had a lot of people reach out and say wonderful stuff this year and I'm not like someone who needs the validation but I just want to say like if you like the show just fucking tell your mate to listen to it yeah. that's, all, that's all I'm asking you one thing that we did forget to mention on the last best of show is that uh, and of which if you did listen to it you know the format by now we're going to go from 20 to 6 in the list form that we have compiled but then from 5 onwards we're going to debate the order live on this the show the Dahio Johnny lockdown error <laughs> yeah and we should thank Alan Bennett for being the accountant in chief yeah, play of actually here. running those numbers and uh, we should to thank, allow this we should thank again I system. mean, in the haze of it all, someone who I didn't thank on the last episode and someone who deserves maybe the, the most thanks of all for making the show sound as good as it does, our sonic architect, Eve Murray, who is a fucking hero Absolutely. and works tirelessly on this thing. I don't know why she does it. I don't know why she puts up with us and, and my, <laughs> my WhatsApp voice notes trying to explain, like, hey, please bleep that out. I don't want to get sued and so on and so forth. But for reals, Eve is the best. And again, we're so, so lucky to be able to work with her. So thank you so much, Eve. Uh, before we get cracking on the top 20 albums, once again, I come to you guys for an honourable mention that didn't make the final 20. Do you have one that you want to highlight that people should go and check out? Uh, contrary to my initial thoughts where I was like, yeah, it's going to be dream pop, isn't it? Uh, the new Beach House record, Seven, mm. is not on our list, but it's fantastic. It it. It sounds weird given how long they've been around and how long they've been operating in approximately the same sort of area, but it does genuinely sound fresh. It it sounds like they've sort of hit their stride in the best way possible that they've done in their career. So yeah, that for me is one of the standouts of the year. 
Uh, my one of my big standouts that's not on this list is uh, Saint Sisters album. Um, basically, uh, it's pretty obvious that I would be a fan of taking Irish uh, culture stuff and turning it into like really good modern pop stuff. Um, I saw saw them live a couple of times this year. I think they're one of the best live bands in the country. Um, really, really powerful stuff. And again, it's got this amazing kind of Irish turn of phrase that I really, really love. Um, completely worth a listen. And I think between this villagers and kojak will be the real fights for the for the choice i think i'm super excited to see what turns out because i gave them the nod on the last episode in the honorable mention category i won't plump for let's see grandma's i'm all ears but do listen to it i will go instead for deaf heaven and ordinary corrupt human love an album i've come back to a lot cullum is grimacing to my right he hates <laughs> indecipherable vocals <laughs> didn't, didn't happen to vote for that one myself no, you, yeah, you kept it off the list as your last act <laughs> your final betrayal uh, great album I fucking love it good on you Def Heaven please come back to Dublin because I missed that last show and I heard it was incredible so we'll press on we got 20 albums to run down we're going to go from 20 to 6 in order and then we're going to have a debate about the top 5 last time I was genuinely surprised what came out at number 1 but I was also delighted with it will that happen again who knows and once again Dahi I present to you an envelope <gasps> and in the envelope it says the words uh, no encore album of 2018 it this is your supposed one though yes five hours ago you I, were wrong last time I was you were wrong <laughs> Dave Hannity you I've were written, wrong I've written inside that envelope I what I believe will be the crowning glory but first number 20 is like I'm That's Dirty Computer by Janelle Monáe, topped a lot of lists this year, scraped into ours. <laughs> and as a matter of fact, when it was reviewed on this show, it was you, yeah. Craig, and guest host Claire Beck. Claire Beck. Shouts to Claire. And there was a bit of a feverish debate. Claire was a huge fan. You guys were kind of like not as convinced, and not as convinced by, it seems like, most critics this year. And even some listeners kind of got in touch with us and basically were like, this is too hipster. You guys are trying to go against the grain. For me... It's it's a good album with moments of greatness, yeah. but I feel like we're once again in that territory where the artists themselves is champion over the material, which is good, but even the best stuff on this to me is like, I mean, you're just doing prints, aren't you? I, I, like, no, I mean, I think at, the, at its best, this album is great. I think there's like that uh, patch between uh, Screwed and Django Jane. Where I, d- mm. I don't like the end of Screwed, as I said on that podcast, and drew the wrath of Claire and Craig, because I think it, I think the juxtaposition would have worked better without the kind of segue. But I mean, when it's at this best, this record is fabulous, yeah, pop, but also kind of funk and rap, and you know that's Janelle Monae's kind of thing, really, as a bit of a polymath. I do think that the album has been over celebrated by because of some of what it stands for, so to speak. But, you know, it's a really good record nonetheless. And and just just by the way, I think, I mean, I said it at the time when we, you know, some listeners were kind of saying, you know, this is kind of nitpicking at the record or whatever. Like, obviously, it's a really good record. But that's what critics have to do. Like, if somebody, if everyone says, this is a great record, you have to be the one saying, well, no, these are the problems with it. 
they're not glaring issues, but yeah, I mean, they have I, them. I absolutely love this album. I thought it was really, really great. Um, I think Janelle Monae is one of the more interesting characters in, I guess, pop. Is it still, would you still consider it like pop? She's it? kind of a crossover. I mean, really, again, she? to, I mean, to be fair and to throw some good praise back at her, I think she's managed to like leave genre behind. Yeah, it. completely. I agree. Which and is it, difficult to do. And, and like, but for me, one of the things that this album does really, really well is that it adds to her character. I mean, there's like a really, really, there's one incredible song where she's basically talking about her anxiety and how she used to be afraid of everything and how she kind of overcame that stuff. And I think that's really, really powerful. And I think Pink, actually, the fact that Pink wasn't on our top 20 uh, tracks is stupid. In I my head. disagree really? with you strongly. I, have, I really like Pink, actually, as well, yeah. Nah, you can, you, you, can, you can give me Grind's inflection on that one, along with the fucking hand claps from Malamente. <laughs> as like, not feeling it. Number 19, another good, maybe not great album. Let's give it a listen. What we'll make you want to go and say that? And I'm on another wave, and I'm putting on some way. Nick's feeling overpaid, fuck I'm supposed to do. That's Oxnard by Anderson Pack. Two nights in the Olympia Theatre coming up, sold out very quick. The conclusion of the Beach Trilogy, and by all accounts, not as good as Malibu for sure, and what came before that. Still very good, slips a bit here and there, gets lost in the waves, I would say, but it, when it's good, it's good, when it's bad, it's questionable. Ah, I love this album. I thought it was really, really good. There's like, I don't know, like... Six out of ten. Uh, yeah, it wasn't like... Oof. Okay, it's not as strong as the, as the stuff that he's done before. And I think the thing that really, really dropped it for me in my own personal list was the friggin' blowjob song. Like, I just like... You just can't listen to it <laughs> yeah. with anybody around. It's just like not a thing or whatever. Um, Instrumental-wise, I thought it was really, really good. Again, I think we came to the conclusion that it didn't really say enough if you know what I mean. I think that's the real flaw of this album, but it is still a great album. I think. Like, I think it's still a really good album, and I said at the time, like, it does have its flaws, but I think that, you know, the ambition was great mm-hmm. enough that you sort of forgive some of those. Should be said as well, and we said this uh, the other day with the songs, is that, you know, like, the making of this list isn't exactly scientific. The fact that this album is a couple of weeks old rather than a couple of months old Probably might stand in its favour here yeah. uh, because there's a good chance that once the accessible, fun, funk elements of this album aren't quite as strong uh, in, in, in its arguments anymore, it might not make this list. But it has for now. You see, you describe Anderson Pack as a polymath. I think when it comes to the world of music criticism, I am that polymath because uh, they. <laughs> I heard all those flaws straight away, my friend. But I will say this, when you mentioned flaws, uh, I thought you were going to say, yeah, it does have its flaws. I thought you were actually going to go, but who doesn't? And leave it at that. <laughs> all right. And I would have been like, that's what we're missing from the show. <laughs> Just yeah. that genius statement. Anyway, up next at number 18, Colm's going to get his Stetson on. It's Casey Musgraves. We mentioned her on the last show. The album's called Golden Hour, and Cullen critics, particularly American critics, are like falling head over heels. 
Yeah, I mean, so like Casey Musgraves has been a going concern for a good few years now, and she's kind of that edgy character who sings about like you know smoking weed and. You is know. that why it's edgy though? Because like this is you know we're not just going down the bar and having a bottle of beer. Like, is that what this is? Well, pretty much. Well, no. On a pre- the country music genre is moving in such a slow like like this is like transcendent for them. Early what, rap music. Yeah, basically. is that what they, like like I, I must confess I haven't. I've missed this boat. Yeah, no, okay. So, like, I mean, like, you're not far off. Her previous albums, I mean, she had a song called Biscuits, which was basically about um, uh, um, same-sex marriage and gay rights and, you know, positively in that sense, which honestly, yes, is, <laughs> yeah, is, is still a thing yeah. in conservative country music. Yeah, of course, yeah. Um, the fact, indeed, that she is, like, you know, this mini-dress-wearing sort of girl-next-door uh, talking, like I say, about smoking weed and stuff like that. Yeah, it has sort of ro- rocked some boats over there. This album, though, is a, a departure where, honestly, this is a crossover record through and through. And I said it from the start that, like, this sounds like a pop record. This has f- uh, elements of kind of like electro and disco and stuff like that. It's not quite gone the full Taylor Swift, so to speak, but that in itself was a slow journey. Is there a cynical nature to that, or is this a natural progression for you? No, I think it's a natural progression. I think she was never the cookie cutter country girl anyway so it's only normal that it's going to go in this direction has she done a lot of albums before this one uh, three I three, think three okay I think and, but you, you probably presume that it's on the rise and that she's going to develop into oh, a very, pop star kind of I, thing. I, I, I think so anyway okay, yeah cool, and if yeah. this album is anything to go by yeah I think she's ahead of the curve essentially in what she's actually trying to do at this juncture before we move on I just want to say put down that tweet listener just because Dottie and I aren't as well versed in the world of Casey Musgraves as Cullum is the list is all about discovery (laughs) and that's once again hashtag beauty of the list (laughs) number 17 cried about you this morning on my break from the office Susan made me a coffee she was embarrassed and awkward couldn't steady my breathing I keep my heart in my pocket Spill my goods to the bookie I meant to reach for my wallet I meant to reach for my wallet It's the favourite for the Choice Music Prize next year. It's Kojak and Delhi Daydreams, which at just over half an hour is playing the Trent Reznor game of barely being an album. But it is. And Dahi reckons... The Trent Reznor... Is that... Like, what are you talking about, Trent Reznor? I'm shouting out my boy. <laughs> like, if Nine Snails didn't make the list, well, then i got to get them in there somewhere, don't I? This is a million miles my favourite Irish album of the year. Um, kind of came to it a little bit late. Like, I had heard about it and listened to a couple of tracks and then, say, in the last, like, three months... It's just been building slowly as the thing that I listen to all all the time. Again, I think it's like, you know, it's bringing a genre in Ireland forward. It's bringing the whole thing forward in terms of young people as well. Um, I went to a show there a while ago and it was like just an entire group of people who are like a generation below me knowing every single word and, and it really felt like it was their own. And that gig in particular and I think everybody who was there said it, it felt like a moment like like a real proper moment in Irish music um, and I was really really honoured to even just be there to see it I was like really really blown away um, I think it's an incredible album and I think the fact that it's short is actually a good thing like I think it's like a really it's short coherent um, You, he's he's really thought about this less it's not like he's, he's not trying to be something that he's not he's getting into this idea of like how to make boredom interesting which I'm really really obsessed with at the moment myself um, I absolutely love this record and uh, it was one of my top five records of the year I have year, two so. questions one for you 
here it is. Would you work with him? Would I work with him? Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. I don't think my... I, I'm not sure if my stuff would actually suit him. The, the, that's the real question I'm asking here, essentially. Uh, my, but to be fair, this year, you know, you've had, a, you've had a very interesting year of your own musically. Like, you've yeah. definitely come out of your comfort zone. The, the thing to point out, though, is that, like, Kojak is part of Softboy Records, which is a collective of artists. And uh, from what I've heard... All of them are very guarded about working with people that they're not um, uh, involved with as this soft boy thing. And I think that really, really stands to them. Because Is this going to be Dahi going undercover so we can work with <laughs> yeah, Kojak? Yeah, yeah. I'm going to start What's like a rapper persona. kids? Yeah, yeah. I'm, Yo, it's Goliath I'm, just here. Trying to, I'm just trying to plant some seeds. Now, you made a reference there. I'm going to make a reference now. Am I underselling this album if I say that it reminded me of the film Intermission? Because to me, the film Intermission managed to capture the mundanity of Irish life, but it found gold in, the, in those hills and it managed to like, you know, also show you, actually, hang on, there's a ton of dirt here as well. But it was like, the, it was the balance. It felt like at times, listen to this, that it was like, oh, this just feels like I'm coming home from work after a day and like, I'm having a generic conversation, but yeah. not in a bad listening to way, but it just felt, John Barker said himself recently, he said that he's never related more to an Irish hip hop album. But that's kind of it. I mean, you see like intermission was played for laughs, to be fair, whereas this is just, real yeah. in a way mm-hmm. I mean I mean, it's actually interesting where it's fallen on yeah, this I'm, list I'm, I'm not trying to like I'm, I'm, not, I'm not trying to say that he's in any way comedic yeah. uh, Intermission did have those moments and like to be fair that is a film that you go back to and it's not as good as you thought it was but it had those moments of kind of like relatable human Irish kind of oh, very much so yeah yeah it's, it, it feels like very natural we kind of we mentioned in that conversation with John Barker that there is sort of like space for a lot of different types of hip hop in Ireland right now and this is definitely one of them it's ironic where it falls on this list is what I was saying is because once again I think just like Casey Musgraves you can say like this looks to have the potential of crossover this to me seems like one of the first Irish hip hop albums that I could realistically play for my parents and expect them to understand some of the things in it okay last question should it win the Choice Music Prize no we'll come back to that uh, I I know why you're saying no, and I would say yes because it's a it's a way more forward thinking than anything else. It's completely unique, and in my head, um, it, it's just yeah, like I mean, it's just so unique. It's just okay. like we'll else we'll there. find out why Colin said no in a little while. Up next at number sixteen, and we get to make our family. That's Blood Orange, that's Negro Swan, and that was an album that I believe cast a huge spell on Mr. Cole Marie. Yeah, I got sent it a couple of weeks before its release, and I decided just out of curiosity to throw it on one day. And I was immediately, just, just, just that, that very rare feeling where you're just like, oh, holy shit. <laughs> like, I was not expecting this. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I just, I felt like the album has a level of complexity to it while never getting bogged down. It's tackling big themes and it has this sort of overarching narrative, but 
you know, still doesn't fall into the concept traps and so on and so forth. Dev Hines, obviously, is an immensely talented musician and has been for years. But this, I think, is his greatest work simply because it achieves that balance of sort of like sky-high optimism and, uh, you know, ambition, but also the execution to actually nail it and perhaps to not overextend himself in that. I regretfully, reluctantly disagree, my friend. <laughs> I, I, I love how this album begins. Me like I'm 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 a fiend for world building, and for learning the language in real time that someone else is kind of bringing to me. And it does have those elements. But the more it went on, the more I thought <sighs> you punched yourself out. The pace ain't there. It's Just length. Is it? It's laggy. It makes the same point, like you know, again and not as effectively. And I got lost, but not in the good lost. Right. It's clearly an exceptional ornate work. But I just, yeah, it's like getting lost in a modern art museum. I don't know. See, I got lost in a good way. Like, for me, like, that record is very, I think it's like most Blood Orange records, you kind of like, I don't know. He ha- he always has these, like, shiny moments, which are, I guess, generally his singles, like the strong kind of tracks that you can listen to on its own. But when you're listening to one of yeah, the albums. That one with Diddy and yeah, Tishy yeah, and yeah. this, yeah. Like, but, right. like, in general, as, as, as those albums go, it's kind of, it's very much like a mood creator, if you know what I mean? Like you're putting it into like a room that you're like hanging out and doing something else in and you can sit in it so well. I mean, always like the instrumentals are always on top here. Like the production is always so strong. Um, yeah, like, I mean, I think it's it's a better world with him in it kind of thing in terms of like how good the albums sound at all times and how they continuously come, you know, it's great. Up next, at number 15, is that David Bowie? No, it's Sean Bowie, who is no relation to David Bowie. But I wanted to tease you with an album that does tease you and invites you into a haunted house maze corridor that you might never leave, and it's fucking scary. That is Eve Toomer, alias Sean Bowie. The album is called Safe in the Hands of Love. Uh, An album that never feels safe, not once. Very dangerous and genuinely, at points, like really deliciously unnerving. The only other album this year that I would compare it to in terms of giving you such a visceral sonic experience that you genuinely look over your shoulder while you're listening to it would be Daughters, uh, and you won't get what you want. Both of those albums, from the opening seconds, are designed to make you feel uncomfortable, and they want you to find something in them. They're so challenging and so different. In an attempt to try and describe what this album sounds like, I would fail. I would fail miserably. I'm not capable. I'm not a good enough music journalist to write down in a handful of sentences what this album is crafting and what it is doing. The best recommendation I can give to you is to simply go and listen to it. I mean, if you look at some of the other like reviews, Pitchfork said it was, they've described it as like a benchmark in, in experimental music and, and, and used words like searing and borderless. Music that is aware of oppressive confinement and music with an intoxicating urge to be free. I would like to think that if I was sitting down to write the review, view i would come to those words at like midnight after a couple of glasses of whiskey (laughs) but maybe i wouldn't but ultimately again and a big thing for me this year in a year that i don't think was great is music's ability to make me feel something and to stay with me and occasionally haunt me and in this respect 
Saving the Hands of Love is the kind of living nightmare I'm willing to put up with. <laughs> There's been a couple of albums this year that have actually sort of managed to capture an aesthetic in that sense. And and you do wonder whether, like, production steps forward are sort of big in that. Well, we're going to come to one in a couple, which I think Dahi will have some very interesting input on. But first, David Byrne. What was That's right, number 14, David Byrne, American Utopia. Saw him in the Three Arena, astonishing show, just brilliant, like like singular, unique, individual, throw every superlative you want at it. The album for me was good, but by the end of it, I'm kind of like, yeah, it was fine. I mean, I really enjoyed the album, I must say, and I think partially just because of its absolute commitment to sort of slightly avant-garde ideas, you know... David Byrne obviously has his disciples who will, in lyric genius fashion, as discussed in the last episode, just sort of go through every line and every permutation of every line and explore what they could possibly mean. Well, not to relegate them, but his disciples are clearly in his band. You talk about commitment and devotion. (laughs) Yeah. His band, which, to be fair, like, you know, they get their due. He takes time to check them all individually. What a collective he has put together. Right. And actually, they, there's a, a freshly re-released version of this album with six live tracks from the current tour, which are worth checking out because even if you didn't see it in person, there is something to be said for the communal sonic experience that it does put together. I mean, for me, I mean, he's just a legend, right? And like yeah. this, I mean, it, it it doesn't drop the legend any lower, if you know what I mean. Like, and it's it's weird enough to make it like, like that he's not settling for anything. You know what I'm saying? Absolutely. Like, and like he made a... Faux pas in terms of his collaborators in this album by picking all men. Fair play. Which is not a good move. (laughs) But at the same time, you would say that some of those choices, and in particular, I think of 103 Point Never, fucking inspired. Very much so. Number 13. This is Walt's thinking. Lucky for some, productive for Tom York. As he oh, went. I get to talk about this! <laughs> Hang on. I'll go first. <laughs> Simply because to my left, I have a super fan, and to my right, I have someone who spent a week listening to an 80-minute soundtrack <laughs> album, and then subsequently at the last minute had to cancel the podcast. 
I was so angry. Why do you tell us why you cancelled <laughs> the podcast? That was the moment I decided I was quitting. I was like, yeah. I can't handle this sort of emotional wreck. <laughs> You're waiting for the second time in your life for a phone call from Ron Nagar that never came. Yeah, I got him like a week later. This um, is the soundtrack to Suspiria, Luca Guadagnino's remake of Dario Argento's uh, Giallo classic, a film that I think is three-star with five-star atmosphere and visuals. I think the soundtrack is wonderful. Now, hang on. I'm just going to ask the question because Cullum is giddy. <laughs> But you're a super fan. Who goes first? Are, 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 I'll you, give it to Colin first. No, I'll give it to Colin you're, first. You're going to give it to him? Okay. Colin, take it away. Well, I mean, obviously, it does have the issues that all soundtracks are going to have, which is that it is, at least in part, created for and written for things that we are not seeing when we listen to the album. So, you know, it's going to lose some of its potency in that respect. Mm. However, a lot of the motifs of this that keep recurring and keep, keep coming back are very attractive. I think that some of the arrangements and musicianship is wonderful. And I think the handful of tracks that you could describe as songs here are genuinely some of the best stuff that he has done in years. Mm -hmm. Like a long, long time. So for me, like, I mean, we've talked about in the last episode about how Kids See Ghosts, and I'm sure we'll talk about it a little bit more later on, uh, how that had an Spoiler. emotional, <laughs> like, that had an emotional pull on you for this year. Like, this album and the movie, both for me, have just, like, literally soundtracked the last, like, two years of my life, essentially, where I, I've done a ton of moving, I went through, like, big breakups and relationships and stuff, and only in the last, say, about, like, whatever 12 months maybe even 6 months I've like rebuilt myself and I feel like my life is like getting back on track what would you put that down to die <laughs> what, what what big developments happened in late somewhere there that <laughs> I you... joined joined the Noah and Corey crew <laughs> sorry can I just say like that's an incredible thing to say and I don't want like I mean like I, I hate to sound like I'm like softballing you because you're my mate but like that is an amazing thing to say for someone who's currently in the midst of releasing tracks based on a project that has literally been about the last couple of years of your life, for you to kind of acknowledge this other work by someone yeah, but like, as I mean, taking you over while yeah, but also... You can, your own work can't sound... Like, you can't... Like, I don't, I don't go around listening to my tracks. Like, that's a, that's a creative output. This, for me, soundtrack... Like, you have to be able to take... Like, that's one of the best things about music. Like, your favourite albums. I'm just not like, used to it, hearing that level it of... It takes this... It, it, detachment, like, I suppose. I just... Like, and I had this really big moment about, like, like, say, about three weeks ago where I was back at home at my parents' house and I remember that, like, I had spent, like, two months, say, about, like, a year and a half ago at my parents' house because I didn't know what else to do. I was just like... I just need to do something and and like I stayed at their house and I was running every day and then uh, about two weeks ago I like went out running again after like this big long period of time I like cr I feel like my life is getting back on track now which is amazing um, and it was like lashing with rain and I just fucking put on Unmade and started running and it was just like this incredible thing where I was like and it's the same as the film. The film's theme is this idea that like there's no good or there's no evil. There's not there's nothing like that. It's just there's a balance in life. And when it starts getting back on track, it's this like amazing thing, regardless of whether like evil is getting coming back up again or something like that. Like for me, this felt like a soundtrack to that thing. And I know it, I know the album's too long. I know the album's too long. I know there's like filler stuff because it's like a soundtrack. There's all this different stuff. But, but for me, this is my Kidsy Ghost, like the way Kidsy Ghost is for you. And that's why that was my number one of the al album of the year. And it's probably why it's so high on this list because I put it as my number one. I don't agree with everything you said, but I loved how you said it. <laughs> <laughs> and that's why number 12. <laughs>
That's low. The album is double negative. One of the most gorgeous artworks you'll see all year. Essentially like a fucking evil domino or something. Uh, <laughs> hollowed out and uh, wonderful mix of black and pink. The thing about Low is uh, 25 years into their career. Yeah. They are one of the more, at least now, maybe they always were, undefinable, unpigeonholable, uncategorizable genre avoiding bands going. Mm. And it doesn't feel like any kind of trick. It just feels like we'll make what we want to make. If you're with it, cool. If you're not, all right. And from the very first track on this record, Quorum, again, you talk about albums that are designed to unsettle you. Mm. This is, like, quite brilliant. Well, yeah, it's kind of distorted and sort of opaque from the very beginning. Um, But like you say, one of the fascinating things, yeah, is like a quarter of a century into their career, they do appear to be sort of opening new doors. Which is fascinating in itself. I mean, like, part of you wonders, like, what took you so long? And and part and no, and part of you thinks, like, how, how like, the, the the sheer idea that you haven't explored some of this before. But yeah, I mean, you know, like lyrically, it's difficult to get a grasp on. It is most certainly unsettling, but. It's absolutely phenomenal, and it has a coherence across 11 tracks, which especially considering the occasionally sort of disruptive style, I suppose, that's employed, the fact that it makes that sort of statement across whatever it is, 48 minutes, I think is huge. Uh, Dahi and I recently, separately this time, not on a date, went to see <laughs> went to see the Wolfgang Tillmans exhibition, which is in the Irish Museum of Modern Art. Which is definitely worth a look. Which is worth checking out. It's free. I think it's open until February. And it has a massive hanging photograph of the cover of Blonde in there, which is right. the reason enough to go. But you walk around that kind of thing, and there's, there's a great shot of Kalela. There's him on the audio, which reminds you of that moment that you, you lost your sense of yourself when you heard uh, device control. <laughs> yep. Uh, but again, Low is the kind of record where you'd almost expect to walk into a side room and they're playing in it. <laughs> in the best possible way. I mean, yeah. like, it's kind of like you're kind of like, huh, don't see that every day. Don't hear that every day. You would probably back out of it again, though, wouldn't you? Because, <laughs> but because you, you're nah, just like, but you go back in and that's the point. <laughs> yeah. That's why it's good because yeah. this album is attractive while also trying to be like, oh, are you sure? <laughs> yeah. No, I'll tell you one thing I'm not sure about it's our number 11. Right, it's the internet, it's Hive Mind, it's a 6 out of 10, and I'm out. Wow. To be fair. What the hell are you talking about? I'm not trying to undermine my, own, uh, undermine my own list here, but I will say, come on, come on. I want the best for the internet, I love Sid, she's fantastic. I think, well, yes. It Sid- has its moments, but the skits ruin it, it's too uh, baggy, it doesn't quite coalesce, it's, it's kind of like the Reggie Snow problem, where I'm like, I don't think your life experience is tremendous. I will say this, do you remember my amazing analogy about the house? Oh my goodness, do I. <laughs> Go back to that oh review God. and check it out, because I made 
I simultaneously made no sense and all of the sense. <laughs> <laughs> Look, I like that could be a career best I like the album. I wished I loved it. There's some I incredible don't. stuff. Like, like it gets better. Time is like a massive track and like is just absolutely incredible. That like I think it flows really, really nicely. The instrumentation is some of the best of the year. I think. I think it sounds really, really nice. I mean, Sid. I know you're saying like, oh, I want the best for Sid or whatever. It's fucking great. Like she's just always so good. And like I, I really, really enjoyed it. I think Sid is a star on this album yeah. I really it do grew I, on me I remember well. you recoiling when I mentioned SZA in the same breath um, <laughs> and Kalela as well but I think she just has that presence that is quite rare and quite special and I think yeah the musically I mean like those bass lines in bass particular lines, yeah. are just phenomenal it's an album that obviously draws a lot from the sort of west coast funk roots and I think they do a brilliant job of sort of representing it in the current day format we're going to hit the top 10 now and we're going to turn up the dial Watch out for the niggas in the lake with more Big shoot touch, no boot brunch No big chains, no blue chucks Just big things, cut gon' bust Cut short bust, but we ain't no one We just wanna have fun We don't wanna fuck up none We don't wanna fuck up none Fun, we don't wanna fuck up none And we don't give a fuck about none We just wanna have fun We don't wanna fuck up none We don't wanna fuck up none that's right, tune into the frequency of FM by Vince Staples, a man that, quite frankly, I will never shut down no encore until I get an interview <laughs> with Vince Staples. I think we're all a little bit in love with the man, uh, and as such, you know, you take an album like FM as, you know, on its merits. He himself has kind of said it's throwaway, other people have said it shouldn't count. I think it's just the latest example of a restless soul who's quite prolific and still has a lot of sharp things to say. The well isn't dry for me in the way that, say, maybe a Run the Jewels is. I mean, mm. this man's dexterity, skill, and kind of social conscience, and obviously, as we said a million times before, sharp sense of humour, continue to prevail on this one. There's not much here to, like, really kind of, like, you know, fucking get tattooed in your flesh or anything, but, like, again, over the course of, what, 21 minutes, whatever it is? Yeah. He makes his point. Yeah, and I mean, like, almost as an exact antithesis to run the jewels he is varied he is imaginative he has different directions in which he can go on each occasion and this album more than anything that he's really produced shows that because it is just little snatches of ideas and little sketches Mm -hmm. and i mean for what it is it really works I mean, I think when we were doing the review for this album, we kind of, we probably came across a little bit overly critical because we were comparing it to the rest of his records, right? And we hold all of those in such a high esteem that like it probably came across as we were pretty critical. I mean, I think this album is absolutely brilliant. And the kind of the best thing about him is that he seems to give like a whole extra, like a raft of producers on each record, like a, a chance, if you know what I mean. He doesn't stick to the same producers. And so everything comes across so differently every single time. Um this album's brilliant and I keep coming back into it especially like stuff like fun like the tracks are so good um, and I'm really really looking forward to the stuff he has next year as well great video as well the, yeah, the right? Google Street Map thing I, uh, to be fair the video is good but uh, like uh, the idea is better than the video itself I, right. thought, like, I thought you could do more with it but, you're saying uh, you can do better I'm not saying I could do better but I'm saying someone could really yeah, does he listen to the yeah. show I think he does no no he wouldn't be into that no. uh, alright okay <laughs> number nine 
what you standing on the side for? Roar like a lioness, parched like a cyborg. Spit slick, attack is subliminal. Flowers on my mind, but the rhyme style's sinister. Stab behind my own bars like a seasoned criminal. Gotham city streets are playing the Crushing any system that belittles us. Antidote to every poison they administer. Switching like time signatures. Colors in my aura tend to cover the perimeter. Brown bodies that the blues wanna shoot through. High res lenses wanna. Over your eyes, my strength ain't nothing like my size. Leads on the top, Kathleen Cleaver. Tangle my cords like a weaver. Tune them. Pops on the radar. You're dead to me. How you wanna play ball? You're dead to me. That's right, it's the album that spawned our track of the year, which I didn't see coming. Uh, to go back to All the Stars for a second, I was making the point off mic that for me, all year round, I was like, All the Stars would be a fantastic way to kick off an end of year list. <laughs> Who knew <laughs> <laughs> that it would go the other way? I mean, you talk about Black Panther, the album, you talk about the bill on this. Again, I mean, this is what this whole thing was about. It doesn't matter if the film is still, you know, stitched together Marvel style and has some ropey special effects and has a standard third act problem. It doesn't matter. This was about not just celebrating, but also defining black culture and black excellence mm. at a time when it desperately needed to happen. And talk about like, like bringing in like the all-star team. I mean, Completely, yeah. it's pretty fucking strong. Yeah, I mean, handing the reins to Kendrick from the start, really, himself and top dog, uh, Anthony Tiffith. I checked. Uh, <laughs> since since it's, we last It's been a few out. days. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, but, like, I know that, that was a brilliant idea from the start, really. But then, yeah, you look at who he invited, indeed, Vince Staples, who we just heard from. Ooh, who, his uh, track is such a banger on this Yeah, one. but he also gets upstaged. <laughs> in in, in my it? own opinion, by <laughs> Egan Blackrock, who I think is stole the show. Yeah, she yeah. she is the breakout of this record, really. But um, yeah, I mean, like you know, Anderson Pack is involved. Future J Rock, George got Smith, Georgia Smith in there. Travis Scott as well. The Good weekend. weekend vocal. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it's got a lot going for it. I mean, where it's always going to fall down as an album is the fact that it's just. And for very obvious reasons, it doesn't have a narrative flow in yeah. the same way as an album really should. I have a really like clear emotional memory about this album of uh, driving to Electropainting this year and listening to this album the entire way. And it's such like an exciting album from start to finish where you're kind of really building yourself up. And that's what this album is really, really great for. This like massive, massive build up. Just tune after tune after tune. And again, like all the stars and like the rest of the tracks, it's really unique production obviously drawing from african um percussion and stuff like that um again i've i said last week actually that uh uh song exploder um for that um for that other track uh, this one here like if you listen they do a breakdown of one of the tracks for um black panther and uh it's absolutely incredible to listen to because they go back through all the samples as well so again check that out as well it's great all right let's check out number eight An exceptional debut statement from Sophie. The album is called Oil of Every Pearl's Own Insides. And talk about, like, not knowing what you're going to get. I mean, you had, like, It's Okay to Cry as a lead-off single, which is, like, this kind of smooth, sensitive tune. And then you've got, like, Pony Boy. And you've got Face Shopping and various other things. I mean, obviously connected with PC Music and has that metallic twang that we even heard on, like, Vince Staples' Big Fish Theory. 
uh, and in other places too. But to to capture your own voice, your own personality, your own persona, your own definition of what a human being is in 2018, and who you are specifically on top of that as well, while also unleashing like maybe the most challenging pop album of the year maybe like future pop I think without a shadow where you're like doubt it is. again you go back to the charts you go back to like that ain't music ah. not to sound too fucking dismissive but like what but like again I mean like look at what's being done elsewhere and I know this isn't gonna be played in fucking like you know whatever like spin nor should it perhaps quote unquote yeah. but at the same time I'm sick of people saying that they're sick of like you know like uh, like pop music is shit now rock music is shit now it's you're there just not looking hard you're not looking hard enough yeah or, or indeed, you're not approaching it with an open enough mind. Um, yeah, I mean, look, like, we've been fans of Sophie's for years. Mm-hmm. Um, this album, I, I mean, in many ways, it's remarkable in 2018 purely for the fact that until we got that first single, Sophie was still a completely mysterious character. Yeah. We'd never seen her. Mm-hmm. We knew, like, little snippets of a backstory but had very, very, very little to go on whatsoever. And frankly, what we had to go on hasn't aged well, let's put it that way. (laughs) Grimes, in particular, had an interview (laughs) a couple of years ago where she was absolutely raging that, quote-unquote, a man used the name Sophie when there are so few female producers out there. Now, not suggesting for a second that Claire Boucher had an idea of uh, what... Sophie, Sophie and who Sophie really was. Indeed, being... none of us did. And it's part of what made getting this album kind of so exciting because we really were just sort of diving into this pool with no idea of how deep or indeed how what temperature the waters were going to be. Mm. I mean, I, I think like we said before is that we're all huge fans of, of PC music. But for me, like this album completely transcended PC music. Like this almost has nothing to do with the PC music I know anymore. I agree. I think this, like, I mean... I genuinely thought it went a bit too far at times. Do you think, yeah? I thought that it went so... I mean, it's it's a listen. Like, it's hard to listen to, if you know what I mean. Basically, I thought it went so far that the structures of pop music that it was subverting weren't even visible anymore. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, but I mean, it's so adventurous and it's so visceral. And, like, obviously we have this, like, massive metallic thing. I think most of the memes going around for it is just, like, pictures of kitchen sinks going, like, is this a drum for for, for Sophie? Hey, as a massive Slipknot fan, I mean, (laughs) I'm all for it. But it's just so, like, visceral and strong. And, like, it's, again, it's, like, a really active listen. But, like, and then, like, just the best thing about it is that it's such an incredible album. It's a debut album what the hell is Sophie going to do next? Like, nobody has any idea. Great question. But next for us is number seven on our list. You talk about navigating tricky waters, it's right there in the title. It's The Art of Pretending to Swim by Villagers. Guest of the show this year, Connor O'Brien, for me, has made probably his best album. Yeah, and if you couldn't put it together for yourself, listener, uh, the reason why I don't think Kojak <laughs> should win the Choice Music Prize. This is remarkable. This is a phenomenal album. In a year where 
so many releases to me seemed in flawed in one way or another. Like there were some holes to be poked somewhere along a collection. This seemed not far off bulletproof. This is a great record. It's the sign, I think, of a songwriter who, you know, has never exactly been two bit, but he has matured, he has found his voice. Um yeah, I like I was blown away. First time I heard it, I remember and you were literally the only other person I knew in the world who had access to the album, never mind had bothered listening and to I it. And I said, get your own copy, mate. No, 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 because I had it as well. And I was just like, I snuck a listen. You were like, I did too. And I was like, okay, thank you. At least one other person that I know understands what this record is. Does Dahi Drone? Like, I think this is an incredible album. Don't get me wrong. I think it's like really, really good. And what I think it is, is, is that like, Connor is obviously this incredible songwriter. He's obviously developed over years and years and years, but has always had this just like immeasurable talent. Like it's always been there. And this is an incredible album. And I, I, I would almost agree that it is probably, is, if not his best, like up there on the like the top two or three um, for his albums. Um, but he and he's he's building from like a, a foundation that's so incredibly strong. My 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 push for the Kojak album is basically just that it's like it's a, a debut album. Yeah. It's come out of nowhere. Like if you're talking about like um, uh, what could be done with, you know, like, of course, of course, I'm never going to be freaking judging a, a choice a choice prize. But for <laughs> what I would be pushing is is this idea that's like that's a debut album. It's got so much promise. It's absolutely incredible. What the hell happens in the next two or three years? Connor is like way way past that. He's like he's like up on that higher echelon level, and he's been given that chance, and he's actually pulled it through. And this album is incredible. But for a choice prize, I would be I would be pushing for Kojak. I wish he was in the room. <laughs> oh, no. Maybe he is. Who knows? <laughs> At number six, let's take our brains to another dimension. I just wanted to be one of the strokes. Now look at the mess you made me make. Hitchhiking with a monogram suitcase Miles away from any half-useful imaginary highway I'm a big name in deep space Ask your mates But golden boys in bad shape That was a prodigy reference, listener. You thought I was going to have the prodigy on this list. Are you out of your mind? I don't think so. What podcast do you think you're listening to? No, it is, of course, Arctic Monkeys. Tranquility-based hotel so bad and for casino. These guys. Go on, dog. <laughs> they were sixth last show as well. Not by just like, genuinely how it shook out. Like, I, you know. I mean, so so people of a certain age out there will remember Sonia O'Sullivan's fourth place <laughs> and Eamon Coughlin discussing it as the loneliest place in the world. <laughs> And right now, because we discuss five tracks and five albums, Arctic Monkeys have managed to be in the loneliest place in the world. Is that not appropriate for this album in question? It certainly is indeed, yeah, because they moved to the moon. Uh, (laughs) This, okay, and like, this is going to throw a real spanner in the works for what's just about to come up, okay? You're going to say it's your album of the year, This is my album of the year. Oh, Oh, wow. Okay, Okay, now, to be be fair, right, I, I had two albums, genuinely, I just tossed a coin to see which was going to go is one the other one two. in the top five it is good yeah <laughs> and so yeah I'm going to be really going for that one but 
this is my album of the year because because like I say, so many records just had like big old flaws that I was kind of like pointing out in them. Yeah. And pretty I, sure I know what your other one is. But and I'm not I realized that the best album of the year was going to be one of two things. It was either going to be one something that just executed its entire job perfectly, or number two just subverted all your expectations and did something so unique and so bizarre and so special and committed to it headlong. And that was this record. This blew me away. The first time I heard it was I was flying back from France. I, I downloaded the album before I got on the plane and I was delayed in the airport and I was listening to it and I was legit just like, I'm cool with this flight being delayed. I... I'm happy to come home late this afternoon because this is engrossing. From the very first line of I just want to be one of the strokes, I was just like, okay, I'm in here. Okay, first of all, I love that. I love when people have those individual experiences. That's why we do what we do. And I say that as someone who doesn't make music, but someone who talks about it. Second of all, I want to keep it brief because I really want to get to the top five, but I will say this. This is an album that melted my cynicism because I went in expecting, my knife was fucking sharp. And I was ready. And then I was like, you know what? No. However, the more I went back to this, and I and I, I really did a lot, I found myself by the end of every listening going, I wish I loved this more. I wish I, 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 I was coming out of this with what you just said and what some of the reviews have posited, but I couldn't quite make the connection. That's kind of similar to me. Like, I, I've given this album a chance, like, say, five times this year where I've gone through and went to listen to it and listen to it two or three times each time to try and like really, really hit it. I think just my problem is I'm a massive fan of, and I've said this already, the Arctic The early Monkeys. stuff, you're a hipster. Not even the early stuff, like like just when, when they're a bit more straight talking, when it's a bit more like them as opposed to the character thing. And I'm not against bands or any type of artist like taking on a character. I just, I felt that like I didn't, I just didn't believe it. Like I, yeah. just, I didn't believe that it was, and that, I think that's like a personal thing. I think more than anything else. Um, I mean, it sounds great. Production is fantastic, and like I commend them for like coming up with the idea and let the whole pull together. But it just the the drag for me just kept going. Like I don't believe Alex Turner being this thing, and like I keep having this thing where it feels to me. There always, there's always this thing where Alex Turner started out as one person and slowly became a rock star and kind of owned it. Sure. It, al- it almost seems like a very public-y thing that you're kind of like, oh, yeah, I've seen this move. Um, I don't know. I just never really properly believed it. But it is a great album. It's, it's, it's pretty good. It's a good debate. It's a good conversation. And that's the point of this list. And that's the point of what we're going to do with our top five. Let's run that top five down. Okay, so our top five, much like the songs episode, if you haven't checked that out, please do. Uh, we will now list the top five in alphabetical order, of the artist. See if you can guess who's in here. Up first, it's Kids See Ghosts. <laughs> what a chorus! Axe to Next up on our list, it's John Hopkins and Singularity. (laughs) 
three of five comes from Mitski. It's called Be the Cowboy. Batman Pusha T returns with Daytona. I'm the pot calling the kettle black. Where there's no brick pedals at. Between God and where the devil's at. Had the double dutch and double back. Then hopscotch through where the trouble's at. Exactly what the game's been missing. This fire burns hot as hell's kitchen. Push. For the sneaker hoarders and coke snorters The Honda Accords, the Grammy Awards, yo Like a blood million dollars in the dust And lastly, and definitely not least It's Young Fathers and Coco Sugar Lava lava, we had a flutter Now I'm making shudder I wonder if you ever think of me Watching from the cupboard You think I'm narcissistic But if he's in the picture Then I'll just be in the kitchen making tea Remember when we begun I never meant to disrupt You promise we stay in touch I know I'm on the sidelines But if you don't mind I stay You can let me be your puppy dog Be a true and straight Silly little toy Silly little boy Broke a little toy Silly little boy You're just a broken little toy Silly little boy Gentlemen, I've said it already this is a hell of a choice music this prize. Is so difficult. Top five. Way in the songs. This is tough. Uh, I don't know how long this discussion will be because this is fucking tough. But that's the beauty part, right? I mean, I've really enjoyed going back to these five and making the individual cases for them. Doc, you had a really good grasp on the last episode about where to start, how to frame this. <laughs> I'm getting the vibe that you don't have that now. <sighs> I'm just like, because they're all so... I, crazily different I'm happy right? to take the reins unless, okay. unless you've got a bit, a bit of a steer well I do because one thing came up when we were discussing Vince Staples album a couple of weeks ago and it happened again last week with mention of Earl Sweatshirt which is that when an album is in the sort of 21 to 24 minute range there's a limit just how much praise and absolute you're talking about the Miskel devotion you no, can you're talking give about, to it are you, are you about to disqualify two albums I'm not going to disqualify them at all but does that Effect. factor in in any way in your mind I mean it does but I think in the case of both Kids See Ghosts and Daytona they managed to like pack a lot in to those seven songs on each record. Yeah, I mean, I don't disagree. I absolutely don't. I know that sounds like a very generic statement, but like, Daytona in particular does not feel seven tracks long. No, but part of the reason for that is because it remains extremely efficient and extremely compact and streamlined. And you do kind of have this idea of like, well, 
if they tried to do this for 40 minutes, would it work? Would it work? Yeah, that's a really good point. Or go for 35 minutes, would it work? And, and I mean, that's the problem. And one of the reasons why this whole thing with the with the, both the Kanye records is just like it just feels it feels like it feels like both of them have the same problem with with Kanye producing, which is basically he seems to be throwing these ideas really really quickly in. They work really really well just because he's such a gifted producer. But you're right. Like if they were longer. Would it be it? And do do you even get a handle? Like I think Kidsy Ghosts does does a may, way better job at creating an atmosphere and creating a message than say Pusha would. Yeah, you know what? Like it, it's funny though because, like you say, I mean, like both albums obviously you know have the same question mark hanging over them. But I think the problem were they elongated, were they not at this length, would actually be the opposite. I think the pushes would become repetitive. Because it's very singular and very focused. And I think Kidsy Ghosts would become too messy because it's too disjointed and sketches. It's a colouring book. Yeah. Now, okay, I don't want to. You made a, a, a very bold opening conversation on Gambit here, and I don't want to torpedo it for the sake of doing so. But have you not just come out with the you're criticizing what it isn't? <laughs> To right, a certain yeah. extent, I yeah, and not yeah, I, what it is. Yeah, no, I agree. But I mean, I guess ultimately, you know, the praise that I will give, a, for instance, a twenty-one minute album does have to be qualified at a certain level. I would like to hear both of you discuss Kid Sea Ghost because everyone listening knows my feelings on this, and I don't want personal feelings to cloud it. But I do think it's an extremely important record even outside of that but obviously I am incredibly emotionally tied to this record so if you guys can maybe strip yeah. away some of that artifice for me so for me again and we, we touched on this in the, the songs thing for me like Kidsy Ghost album was an, was an amazingly emotional album for me as well but in this very very strange way um, <laughs> like a narcissistic fuck most of the albums I listened to I kind of related back to something in my life or something like that whereas this was very Goodness, very different you, you must be a human being <laughs> yeah, I, was, I was about to say I mean like it's but, rare you hear somebody say, well, this album really related to my mate Jim. Yeah, so, yeah, right. So that's like, why yeah, I yeah. fucking loved it. And, but but it, that's kind of the funny thing about it is just like, you know, in the last, say, two years, I mean, we've become very good friends. Um, and when I heard your review of it back in the time, it was like a massive thing, obviously. And it does, it, it, it you were right in the way you were describing it. Like, it, it does feel like your life in a certain way in what I've seen of it so far if you know what I mean incredibly difficult thing to go through like massive and like I think this does soundtrack that and reflect it in a really really important way the other thing about this album is that like you know I mean the context of the two people who disagreed and then came together and got found a common ground based around their difficulties and created an album around it I mean that's fucking incredible it is that is an amazing thing like yeah. One thing I would like to say at this juncture, and like I didn't say about Reborn last episode, I'm kind of, I mean, I'm kind of thinking about it now. I'm kind of based on what you just said. Like, I mean, you say like it's a difficult thing to go through, and I found myself kind of my my default was to not be like, oh, thanks, man. My default was to go, I'm still going through it because like that's what it is. Yeah. But like Reborn to me as a loop, as a repetitive song, even the name of the song Reborn works because even for all of the ownership and all of the victory that you find in that, there's always the sense that of the creeping sense of dread that like it's going to get you again. Because that's just what life is, unfortunately. For an awful lot of people, I'm not a unique case. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, you know, everyone uh, is touched by something, I think, in some in some capacity. And that's why, I mean, like, you know, for this record to kind of shine the way it does, I think is quite remarkable. Um, it's so vulnerable. 
It's so vulnerable, but it's also not didactic ever. It doesn't sit you down and tell you this is what it is. This is how you should feel. This is how you feel. None of that is there. It's no, just, I agree. It's an album that listens to you. Yeah, although I think, I mean, like, I do think that there is a giant headline story for this album. Um, and indeed for anybody who finds themselves particularly relating to this album, which is, and this sounds so fucking like after school special, but it's like the value of friends because <laughs> no, no, no. Because when you think about this, and I mentioned this in the last episode when we were talking about when we got reborn, but like when you think about when we got this album, okay, it was a week removed from yay. When there were very valid reasons to be like, shit, is Kanye ever going to be Kanye again? Because mm. this is probably his worst record. It's a slightly odd, slightly bizarre place. That You're referring like to Ye here. Not, to Ye, yeah, yes. Yeah, not, yeah, not yeah. No, no, no. To Ye, like a week beforehand, we were like, okay, this is probably Kanye's worst record. He's probably never sounded less focused. Like, he's put this out in two weeks, which would have just sent Kanye into a fit a couple of years ago when he wouldn't want to send out an album without, you know, whatever, like Malcolm Gladwell's 10,000 hours of work basically put into it. And this sounded like something where you could say, oh, okay, the narrative's changed. He's actually good. And I think it's largely because, even if it's slightly reductive, Cuddy's kind of the angel on his shoulder here. That's not reductive. Cuddy is needs to be uh, really raised above, I think, because uh, this album, for whatever reason, has gotten like tertiary praise and lists and just kind of faded away in the mainstream narrative. But uh, And obviously, most of the narrative was obviously Kanye inflected. That's just the way it goes. I think this is Kid Cuddy's album. I agree. I agree yeah, completely. I agree. And not to in any way like relegate Kanye because to be fair he also shows incredible inner strength and vulnerability but Cody is like this is like a fucking redemption story for him yeah yeah but for, for me like, and this is a kind of an issue that I'm kind of I'm only kind of really getting to grips with in say in the last like two or three days listening to this album and stuff where to be completely honest like I think the way Kanye is this year and the way he has been taints this album a little bit for I want to ask you this question do oh, you yeah. think this is a contradictory thing like does this not represent like, like it's, it's almost like his presence in this doesn't make any sense like no like first of all like Kanye is one of the greatest producers that we've ever seen like without a doubt like his tra- his sample selection and how he does it is absolutely incredible mm-hmm. the problem is, is is that like like I'm starting to not believe the hype if you know what I mean like I mean I, I've always been like a huge huge Kanye push kind of person like I've always been really really into what he's always done I kind of always taken um, everything to be this genius that's like just pouring out of him and his real value is when he's actually starting to create stuff but my problem with here and it kind of comes back to why Kid Cudi is so important in this record is because um, it feels like and we, we kind of talk about a little bit about this like with, with, with say Kendrick now when Kendrick Lamar like is given um, like a chance to be like really really incredible like in the Lil Wayne album he, go, he puts 100% into it and becomes yeah. this incredible extra thing um, the same thing should happen with, with Kanye where like Kid Cudi is obviously introduced like a like like Kanye's like understanding of what he's going through in Ye seems to be like here for the <laughs> listeners home like low down here holding his hand and, low and then when it gets to kids he goes it's suddenly way way up there so so like holding his hand high Cody <laughs> Cody's bringing out like a, like a, a way bigger thing and, and my problem is is that I'm starting to wonder um, like am I thinking too much of Kanye and is it just like 
you know. I, I know. mean, I don't know. I mean, look, I I think it is a big statement to try to wipe out Kanye's career and achievements. No, no, no. Yeah, and like I mean, on that's the basis a bit of one summer, or you have one last chance on this show to get it in. <laughs> what you coined. The Kanye coefficient. There it is. Yeah, I mean, like, it, it was especially going on his album, yeah, where people were just like, knives out, like, we can have a go here. Um, at a certain level, there's one or two bits on this record that I think he was in danger of bringing things down a bit. His verse in Fourth Dimension in particular, where he starts singing about, like, anal and turn around for the money no turn around for a money shot and you're just like dude have you even listened to the rest of this record that you're making and on okay it's like he can't help himself perhaps no better point to try and uh take some reins on this now i mean like i will say because we started off with, with a pretty big open discussion about one of the albums at this juncture guys before we move on to another one do you have a number in your top five for kids see ghosts Cullum, I'm feeling a low four to a low five. Anthony Fontana style. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think it's five for me. Oof, die. No, it's like way up higher than that for me. Um, uh, it's been flitting between one, two, and three, basically, for those. Sound the oh, stock wow. market klaxon alarm, whatever you got. Well, okay, let's go with We got with ourselves its... a debate. <laughs> Let, let's go with its uh, twin piece, then. Yeah, yeah. And Daytona. Yeah, okay, so Daytona for me, as noted, I feel like uh, when is a seven-track album not a seven-track album? It's when it's this album. That does not mean that it's not compelling throughout. It does mean that like I find myself, Kitsy Goes to Me fly, flies by in the space of like one big blur and one 20-minute feeling blur. This does feel longer. It's not necessarily a bad thing. Um, I find myself with the critical notes of, of Daytona uh, sometimes reading them and sometimes wondering if I've heard the same album. I think this is an excellent album, just to oh, clarify. It's, it's fantastic. It is brilliant. I don't think it's flawless, though. And I think everyone has rushed, whether it's off the back of it being the obvious standout, critically, technically, from the Wyoming sessions, or not, or whether it's a case of like, oh my god, Pusha T has like just, you know, like laid down the law and we need to like really like pay respects now yeah. and pay tribute. It's great. It's really great. I don't think it's the album of the year. See, I, like, it's, it's interesting that you say that it's flawless. It's not flawless. <laughs> oh, sorry, sorry. It's not flawless. Sorry. What I was going to say is that it doesn't have glaring issues for me. It's not even about errors, man. It's just about a feel. There you go. Okay, right. Yeah. So what I was going to say is that this is a rock-solid record. It is. But people who are heralding it as a landmark in music, I just don't think that's right. I think Push himself sums it up on Hard Piano, where he says, I'm too rare amongst this pink hair which is a shot at, like, the SoundCloud rap generation, blah, blah, blah. Basically, this is an old-school rap record. We talked last week, or the last show, about If You Know You Know and how he's establishing his bona fides as this thing that, like, just doesn't exist. And especially when you're talking about the SoundCloud, like, you know, the Xanax crowd, basically. This is going to sound really insensitive of me, right? But, like, there's a lot of sort of, like drug-addled rap out there, right? And they just don't have Push's experience when it comes to rapping about drugs. Yeah. yeah, it, yeah. It, genuinely, And he says you know? that on the record as well. Absolutely. Like, yeah. And what's more, there is a lot of stuff that, like, is not produced to 
well, frankly, any sort of high standard, but especially not nearly the standard that Kanye is doing here. There is a lot of rap that isn't focused in the way that this is, isn't true in the way that this is. And I think that's its strongest achievement here, is that push, like I say, quite old school, quite honest, has sort of stuck to his guns. And I think that's why people are falling over themselves. We've got conviction, we've got command. At times we have incredible coherence. Do we have a classic? Like, for me, it's 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 a funny one because when I listened to this at the start of the year, I was like, this is the best album of the year, like, continuously. And I listened to it. This is the this is the album I most listened to throughout the whole entire uh-huh. year because it's just filled with these bangers. And, and, okay, like, you can obviously make an obvious statement that, like, the fact that it's a drug rap album mm-hmm. might set it back a bit because it's a one-track, like, it's one-team thing, right? But, like, in general, the fact that you're saying it's a classic rap album, and that's exactly what it is, You'd almost go to say that it is the best rap album of the year, but is it the best album of the year, if you know what I mean? Like, sure. it probably completely wipes out Kid Sea Ghost or any of the other, like, collections in terms of just, like, brilliant rap music. Like, if, if it's really, really great. But then you just start wondering, is like, is it the best album well, of the year? Well, let's change the record then and let's go to an entirely different genre. Let's talk about Mitski. And Be The Cowboy, which has already topped a few lists. Mm -hmm. Again, a singer-songwriter, I mean, another artist that you can't necessarily box in, that's a good thing. Saw her perform in the Tivoli Theatre earlier this year, and it was spellbinding in all the right ways. It was fantastic. The room itself was like one, it was like one person stretched out into like the the size of the Tivoli Theatre. Everyone was there in this communal union. Uh, It was almost like, you know, seeing a star is born in the cinema. There are people like shuddering in in, in the aisles because as a word that follows this woman around is heartbreak. Mm -hmm. Uh, And I think it's because she's managed to essentially kind of write a new academic text about it. Uh, Whether it's the vocal delivery, the incredible lyrics, the wonderful breathing space that she has in her arrangements. You'd look at a song like Two Slow Dancers and that to me is like one of the most evocative songs about love and loss and it's regret a devastating closer here it's exceptional it? I mean so it really much. really is and like she is like quite great I think she is worthy of the plaudits yeah does Be the Cowboy deserve like the the accolades that are that are following in its wake yeah I mean we got Geyser in May um, the same week in fact as that Arctic Monkeys album and, and I suggested it was maybe trying to do too much um, obviously it's quite literal with the whole sort of, you know, calm and then explosion and so on and so forth. But as an opener, boy, does it work here mm. because it means that she can basically take the foot off the gas. She can calm things down, slow things down. But we're always completely aware that at any moment we're going to get that power and we're going to get that sort of ownership that she has at many stages of this record. And when you talked about the sort of text on Heartbreak, I have for ages been fascinated by the idea of songwriters kind of using music as therapy. Mm. And if like if you go back through my interview for years, this always comes up because like the whole idea of therapy, whether it's actually going to see a therapist or just like, you know, writing in a journal or whatever, the whole idea is like you close the door or close the book or whatever and that's it. Like it lives in the shelf next to your bed or it lives in the office where your therapist is or whatever. You don't bring it on the road for <laughs> 150 dates yeah. afterwards, you know. Yet here, especially in the middle of the record, there's it's Lonesome Love and Remember My Name has probably just written two such raw tracks that capture 
you know, her reality if and I the may, reality of the road. If I may, just not to like derail this completely, but mm. like you and I have different ideas about therapy. This is fascinating. <laughs> really? <laughs> yeah, man. I mean, like therapy is raw. Like therapy to me is like it's 24-7. I couldn't possibly ever shut anything away. Well, no, no, I no, wish no, no, I could. No, no. no, I'm not suggesting that you shut it away. But what I'm saying is, like, but even in terms of like, the exercise of it, is that, is that what you're kind of yeah, like, as in like, like the, the mechanics essentially? Well, yeah, as in like there's a reason why you don't like meet your therapist in the pub, sure, or on stage, indeed why you don't go every day, or why you wouldn't talk to, you know. Yeah, I, mean, I, I see the logic, I'm not, but I'm not sure that I agree. But I like that. I like the disagreement. I mean, most people want to keep it private. Like that's a that's a thing, right? Okay, or, well, or, or at the very at the very least, like not to literally make it baggage where you're going from town to town. But in that respect, with... in that respect, does she not triumph with that? Quick answer, you, and then you. <laughs> oh, oh, oh! Listen, absolutely, yeah, yeah. And that's what's fascinating Quick about answer, this record. Yeah. I, liked it. I mean, for for me, like. And it's kind of interesting as well that we're talking about the uh, those last two albums are kind of like, oh yeah, these are like really short albums or whatever. I mean, most of the songs here are like a minute and a half long, like like less than two minutes. But in those short amounts of times, it's literal poetry. Like it's like really intensely she's, she uses such little words, such little phrases to say such an incredible amount. And to be honest, like, I mean, if we're talking about Kissy Ghosts dealing with like stuff like depression and loneliness and sense of identity and stuff. I mean, this has just as much in terms of like those, if not more, like, I mean, some of the stuff, like talking about being like really, really lonely, the way she talks about it is incredible in this. And like, it just comes across so strongly. Now, the one thing that I will say is that the, I think to like from top to bottom, her lyrics and how she says them and how she delivers them is the best out of all of these albums. Right. But the production, like, Although it is interesting, it's not even as interesting as what she's done before. The, kid, yeah, well, the, the kids he goes comparison is interesting, especially in terms of production point of view, because like for me, what I would say is like where kids he goes, like the colors are exploding and bursting all the time. And this isn't a criticism of Mitski, but like with Mitski, the colors are draining, right? And that and is that on a production level? Do you think uh, uh, entire package? Like it can be like, but do you I, think it's mainly coming from the production? Is that like the way you're saying no, colors is exploding? I think it's, sounds like a production thing to me. No, it's more like just the world she paints and how she says it. Um, but then again, you think about like you know the the weight of the piano keys, and we're going to come to that in a few minutes with something else in Two Slow Dancers, for example. And it's like I come away from Be the Cowboy, and I don't feel elated. True, but I but don't... I do feel late when I come away from Kids See Ghosts. So okay, I don't know. I I I I, I mean, look. Personal connections aside, obviously, I don't think this is an album that is meant to make you feel elated. Really. No, 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 no. I, I, I don't mean for a second to suggest that it is. Like she has absolutely, resolutely done her job here. Yeah, and I, I kind of really love as well about how, like, and uh, to to that fact, the way that it's kind of like it starts off qu- quite like solidly. She knows what she's saying, but by the end of the record, it's like faded into a bit like the old sweatshirt record, actually. Like that, she like she like fades it out into like I don't know what the fuck is happening, well, I, like, I, I which think, is powerful. Like I, it's really I think at times she kind of combines the two it's kind yeah. of Iron Fist Velvet Glove sort of thing yeah, you know yeah. where it's like she really does have a very strong idea of it but is going to dress it up in in various different guises that is one potential criticism that I would have of this album is that it occasionally goes like you know when it stylistically moves it can occasionally get a bit not pantomime but just like Perform me. I mean, I mentioned Lonesome Love, which I do think kind of nails its brief in terms of kind of capturing the loneliness of the road. But did she write that song and then it 
accidentally became a sort of a classic country music. Well, this translates to the live experience because, I mean, like she basically this on this current tour, she essentially gave up guitar duties to someone else and became more physically expressive on stage. Like one of the tracks she played during the show. Well, well, she she wrote she wrote the album on piano beforehand. Yeah, and she was pacing the length of stage back and forth while singing. And it was one of the most stressful things I've ever seen live. She managed (laughs) to make sitting down on a chair be this unnerving, intense experience. And like that takes serious fucking talent and serious like command over what you're doing. I mean, if nothing else, if if this isn't the album of the year, it is without question the cementing of a very exciting force in music right oh, now. Oh, without a doubt. And to move on, what I would say is, uh, you talk about like the weight of the piano keys. Now, I've spent most of the year thinking that Singularity by John Hopkins, it was quite a front-loaded album. That like four tracks in, and experiences at his gig, technical difficulties aside, one way or the other, I found myself going, Phew, what a rush, am I done? And... What I've learned, particularly in the last, I would say, month or so, particularly in the last fortnight going back on this album is, no, this is a complete experience. It's kind of a masterpiece. And when you get to recovery in particular, I mean, my God, not since Wild Beasts and Dreamliner has has the sound of piano keys uh, coming up and coming down had so much impact on me that I was like, oh my god, um, this is a song to watch sunsets and rise to. It's a song to break up and fall in love to. The whole album feels that way. I mean, like you talk about world building and building a cinematic universe and and giving you something where you have to like move as walls close in, and other doors open. All like all these kind of flowery prose that I love to find. I mean, it's all here. It's all here from Singularity, the title track. Emerald Rush is one of the great mazes of, of 2018. Everything Connected is just an astonishing 10 minutes of work. You got like, a, a massive techno bastard, as he <laughs> describes it himself. <laughs> but how does he manage to coexist in those two worlds? I guess I can only this go to thing. one person to answer that question, and it's you, Dahi. Like, and this is this is why, like, when I when I was trying, like, when I saw this top five, and I looked at them, and I was like, I was like, for fuck's sake, lads, what? How are we going to do this? Because for me, Singularity is like. I've written down in my notes here like a higher plane of consciousness like like literally the thing that we're talking about where it's like oh yeah you know Kitsy Ghost does such a great job of dealing with all of this like very very difficult depression and stuff like Singularity feels like way above that where it's like dealing with seven things at once throughout all these different things and with no words like it's yeah. just insane with absolutely no lyrics and like what you're taking is just this like incredible piece of work that has absolutely nothing to do with the rest of these these um, albums and like I, I, I cannot describe how you could possibly compare this to the rest of them it just doesn't make sense to me it's such a completely unique album I mean if you're looking at production there is literally nobody else on this planet doing yeah. something that this guy is doing yeah it's true I mean like the fact that he manages on an album that is largely built around build and release yeah, yeah. which obviously is a rhythmic thing mm-hmm but never once does it feel like melody has been overlooked here. In fact, it's probably one of the more melodic, certainly when you're oh, talking definitely. about like yeah, without yeah. vocals, yeah, yeah. it's one of the most so melodic, melodic works like, you're going to yeah, find. Yeah. I mean, it's a classical piece almost. Like. Yeah, but also, Sneaky Danceable. I remember the first time I listened to this oh, record. It's jam to parts of it. <laughs> uh, first time I listened to this record, again, am I right in saying, by the way, that these albums are quite clumped? In terms of release yeah, date, yeah, I have it. I have the this, details right here. This, 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 this one, this one, I know, was released the day before I went to France. Fourth the week of May that ended with Arctic Monkeys being released. This came out on the fourth of May. Daytona, uh-huh. Daytona came out on the twenty fifth of May. 
Uh, Coco Sugar Young Fathers, which we've yet to discuss, came out on the 9th of March. Kids yeah. Seagulls came on the 8th of June. And Be the Cowboy came on the 17th of August. Okay, so, right. Yeah, like, yeah. Not too tied together. Yeah, but, but they, yeah, there, there they was were, certainly a, there were was also, certainly a rush of great albums. But they were in clearly between. standouts as well, and and they did. Like, oh yeah, like they they had, like they they kept their heads above water, and therefore kind of stayed in the conversation over a five monthish period. This album, though, reminded me, like especially when you like you know you, you you start playing it, and it is these sort of like you know high synths, and it's a quite a sort of you know ethereal thing. Basically, to use one of those annoying music journalist words, fits, <laughs> but it does fit, yeah. And you're kind of expecting, or perhaps we're told, that it's a dance album, right? And I felt like a character in one of those movies where you're like, you know, oh, I don't dance, and then you know, like it cuts to thirty seconds later and pans across the room, and you're just throwing <laughs> shapes, like because somehow this. Like really it's technical, just, it's so physical. Like it's such a physical album. Like, yeah, but like, but I no, go but, one word further, Dahi. I'd say the word muscular. <laughs> yeah, but like, but like, it starts out and in many ways throughout is just a technical exercise. Mm-hmm. But it does also have yeah those sort of like visceral sort of feelings throughout. And I mean, like he he does talk about this uh, this album in this long thing where he's he's always talking about this kind of there's like a singular line of consciousness, and then as he builds, he builds like these like. He moves from this world to the next. And, like, well, yeah, he said this was a follow. Uh, completely. And yeah. he's, he's done this entire thing like fucking on acid. Like, like it's completely way <laughs> above like anything that we would be able to understand. But it, like it just, I just, I just cannot describe how completely unique this is. And if you're into music, like anybody from any kind of genre that they're into can just listen to this and can recognize the brilliance of it. And like when we saw him play in, Electri- in Body and Soul this year as the, as the like the headline slot on the main stage on the Saturday night, and I like I barely looked at the stage because I was just looking across this field at people like melting, like could not handle how insane it was. I think that was your and, drugs, no, 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 no. <laughs> I swear it wasn't. I swear it wasn't. People were like, because he would do I this swear thing. It wasn't. He would he would do this thing, and it's, no, it's apparently the album. <laughs> Fuck you guys. <laughs> <Some men. laughs> he would do this thing where like you think he's all the way in, and you think he's at the apex and the height of like some moment, and then suddenly yeah. there's an extra five elements drop in and you're like what the actual fuck is going on <laughs> it like when you talk about production like I mean it's just uh, far and away the best thing like. okay right there's a fifth album <laughs> we must get to it well just before we do though can I just say that this more than any other record here Surpr- I think it might be the only one surprised you the most grew, like, no. grew better over does time? it have a dud so in echo when, dissolve, w- yeah. So I was just going to say, momentum. So yeah, and that was the kind of that was the one the thing that was the one thing that like uh, uh, was said in the review back back when we were doing it is that like there's a certain part just around Cosm and the thing where it starts to slow down. Yeah. Now I will say that like you can say that because everything else is so high energy and there's like a part where there's two slow songs that are very very close together. Right. But I think. I think like when I went back to it again and you start listening to those two where it starts slowing down um, they're beautiful in themselves as well like sure. I, I think they're really really good but like I would say that is the only thing that you could probably say that is an issue yeah. but you could also throw back on that and kind of go this is a fucking way longer album than those two fuckers so like whatever it's true and I, I think yeah that is one thing the sense of scale does scale, make even yeah. that three minutes or four minutes or whatever it is kind right, of fade lads. into the background <laughs> you know what yeah. doesn't have a dud my album of the year. Yeah, oh, are, yeah. shit. But right. are we just putting there all the rest of the albums out of their misery here, Dave? Do you think so? Because I'm with you. Thank you, brother. Oh, for fuck's sake. No <laughs> way. Now, no to, be, way. to be fair, I will say this. 
I'm struggling with John, with John Hopkins versus this album. I really am. Because Singularity has grown in so much appreciation for me in literally like the last fucking 72 hours alone. I'm like, holy shit, this album is actually amazing and has taken me over. But the the opening of Coco Sugar by Young Fathers, right? See how. The very first thing that you hear on it is like this weird... Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and it genuinely sounds like you're getting off a bullet train in a, like a, in a pretty okay novel, I would say. Yeah. And you're exiting the train and something hits you in the fucking side of the head and you don't know what it is. Was it the door? Was it someone who walked by me? Am I now marked for death? Where am I? What am I doing? What year is it? I got all of that from a split second. So yeah. imagine what unfolds afterwards. Mm-hmm. You talk about young fathers and the ability to be not be categorized. You talk about the ability to, to be vital. Like you, We've used the word vital before. This is vital. I mean, like... What these three men are capable of it continues to astound me. Uh, like I saw them uh, in the academy back in April, I think it was, and I, I, you know, with a few beers in me, I tweeted out a blurry photograph and I said, "Young fathers are like gener- once in a generation poets," and I love that I can't figure them out, and right. that's still how I feel with this album. But going back to Coco Sugar, which again came out at the start of March. I just found myself so entranced by an album that, for me, manages to get under the skin in the best kind of way. I mean, there's no one really doing what they're doing. And, like, John Hopkins stands in his kind of box as well. Mitski, too. I mean, like, I don't yeah. want to discount her at all because I think that, the you know, like, it's very easy to kind of, like, just in the order even that we're discussing these, kind of go, oh, it's clearly this. But, I mean, I don't understand the alchemy that these guys possess, but... I'm like hook it to my veins, man. <laughs> I mean, I, in, in in some ways, I mean, I'm not going to say I understand it, but I can at least put some sort of reason as to how this album comes into being because for a number of years they've been producing obviously incredibly high level, incredibly well produced, incredibly well written music, but have always had a restlessness and, you know, almost the idea of a point to prove and have intentionally made people a bit uneasy at times. If you've ever watched them live, boy, you know that feeling. <laughs> but this record, and it was funny when I was trying to find kind of snappy ways of summing it up, everything that jumped to mind were phrases that are normally negative. Things like finding your level. Abrasive. Or Well, no, one that I used was plateauing. It's as though they have now kind of got to the point where they don't need to sort of like, you know, try to climb higher, try try to push you away anymore. They're on a level where they can explore Mm -hmm. and, you know, all doors are open, basically. This was a record where in March, Dave and I both said it was the best thing we'd heard all year. And, yeah, certainly out of this five, nothing has changed that. I mean, this is an absolutely incredible record, and it's the most hypnotic of them, I think. Like, you kind of get, you get lost in it almost, uh, like, more than you would with Singularity. And I think some of that com- becomes from, like, the vocal repetition thing where you're listening to something being repeated again and again, or, like, a rhythm being repeated again and again, like, 
on a production level, they're like right up there with, with Singularity as well. It's like this incredibly powerful thing. They've definitely transcended the idea of like rap music. Like they, it's like a completely avant-garde thing. I feel like a song like Wow own. could actually be on the Suspiria soundtrack. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah, right. Like yeah, just yeah. the hypnosis thing you mentioned. And it, it yeah. also moves like uh, track by track. It moves enough that there's so much in here. Like it's so different throughout like all these different areas. Um, I think seeing them live like later on in the year was a really really good experience for me because like it really really just nails this the idea that you just described like the uneasiness of the whole thing like you're, you're kind of like you're really like confronted with something with this record which is really really amazing um it's an absolutely incredible record and they do stand out in their own and you kind of when you start like trying to compare them with like Kanye produced records you're kind of going like this is better no <laughs> like, I, mean, I, mean, I mean like I do remember Craig saying in, in the episode where you're talking about this album that they perhaps have closer contemporaries in sort of post-punk and right, yeah, that's yeah. not unfair and yeah. I mean like they've always been that way inclined a little bit where there is that sort of abrasive edge that especially with rap music on this side of the water that like we just haven't had Um, I, I mean like I, I I like this is the thing, right? I said it earlier, you know, like when you're talking about like top class records, my job as a critic, I feel, is to poke f- holes in it and try to find flaws. Yeah, I feel I, the same. I, and I don't think that that's like a cynical move, a negative move. It's just the way your brain works. Of course, but I went back to the review of this record that we did, and my biggest flaw was. I don't think it'll get enough mainstream recognition. <laughs> that, like, that's not even that's criticism. Not a criticism. <laughs> that's a comment. Call them Music Week. Or yeah, yeah. I, think, I think I just, I think I literally just drew a blank on stuff that I had any sort of complaint or issue with I, whatsoever I mean, I with guess, this record. I guess the, the only criticism I can, I can possibly think of is, is that, like, do you come away with a very clear message here? Like, do you come away with an emotional message? Do you come away with, like, a... I don't know, like a lesson you or know, like a I, sign or anything? I do. And like, I mean, it's something that, you know, as much as we love, you know, things like Daytona, for instance, I don't think you can connect yep. with. It's connect, it's feel. And it's like when like, you know, movie critic Mark Kimode loves to say like, you know, uh, he he always gets it wrong when it comes to this. <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> Big statement. He often gets it wrong. Uh, he always gets it wrong when it comes to like him unleashing, like you know, this is an intelligent blockbuster in which people don't run around explaining the plot to each other. He said that about Inception, in which one character played by Ellen Page quite literally is there to explain the plot to you right. and the other characters. Young Fathers are an intelligent blockbuster band. They don't explain the plot to you. They don't hold your hand, but they, they do extend it. And ultimately, you ask about a message, and yeah. that's a great question because I do find myself going, you know what? I don't have the the subheading, the quick final line. Yeah. So you're getting to pure music, really. Yeah, pure feel. But also, what I will say is this: whatever they're doing, and in a world that continues to burn, and who knows how long we have left, I'm going to walk down the same road as them, and I'm going to be happy to be standing on the same fucking battle line that they're on, because they're kind of going, "Come on, yeah." Or I, don't. I mean, you I've, know, but there's, but but I'm willing to go. Yeah, yeah, I'm in. Yeah, I mean, like, like what I was gonna say as well is that, like, at a very simple level, you know, like we can't relate to push really, unless one of you has a 
dark cocaine, <laughs> cocaine trafficking past. <laughs> you know, the it. instances in his life don't necessarily translate. You do get the feeling when listening to Young Fathers that you're sort of operating on the same wavelength. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And That's what's true. more, you don't necessarily... On a more human level y- or something. Yeah, like and, 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 but like, you don't necessarily need to adjust in the same way, even as you needed to do like two albums ago with these guys. I think that they haven't been afraid to make it more accessible because they know that their voices are now respected. I think they had a definite chip on their shoulder in the past. I think by now they've reached a level of comfort and confidence as artists that they can just sort of lay it out there and know that the people that they want to communicate with are going to pick it up anyway. I don't know, guys. This is going to be fucking really difficult. Well, here, I'm going to make it easier. Uh, let's do it. So for okay. me, right... Uh, so the, number five, say. In the context of everything that's been said and mm-hmm. the no-encore conclave that we have here, the arguments that have been heard and the feelings that have been expressed, I will place, and I think we're on board with this, Kid Seagos at number five. Yeah. For me, Daytona should be number five, but I think in the balance of what we've talked about... I would say Daytona so, four. For me, for me, Daytona would be five. Okay, that's okay. Because for me, Daytona um, is five as well. But like, I, I, I was trying to be like you know King Solomon over here. <laughs> well, hey, I, I think the important thing about KSG, like the fucking kids, he goes. Are we all agreeing with the four on five? Are Daytona and kids? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Well, yeah, then so. fair enough. They, they, they're kind of like case, the numbers game trumps. Yeah, Daytona ca- five. Kids he goes but even for. then, they're kind of like you know four dash. Like yeah, it's kind of yeah, like you know, yeah, uh, yeah. Because like, for, for me, listen, everything, everyone, everyone apart from number one is a loser. Let me stress that: <laughs> <laughs> win or lose, yeah, those are your for, two options. For me, again, and you made it that point in the last thing with the young fathers thing with the Daytona. Is that like, and this is the point they didn't make when we were talking about it because we kind of made the point last week with um, with. Uh, the Lil Wayne um, song where like you know as a rap album as like a really really good rap album based around drugs it's like incredible yeah. but that doesn't really have an emotional response to me really. sure it's a really enjoyable album it's in our top five that's fair number three for me and again I really don't want it to be a discount here I don't want it to be any kind of like just the nature of the way our conversation flowed it is a fantastic album it absolutely is but for me Be The Cowboy is number three yeah Mitski yeah I agree yeah, yeah, I think so. Mm, he's hesitating. Mm. Um, yeah, no, yeah, yeah. What's I mean, your counter? Based, your... based on what we were talking about with, with, with Singularity and New Fathers, I think both of them. But no, but if you if you yeah. have a compelling counter, let, let let's hear it. Like, well, man. no, I'm just I'm just wondering if if Misky is is a more. Um, I think I think what she's put on that record, like, it feels to me like the Misky record is gonna come back to me like th- like every single year where I'm gonna get older. And I'm gonna look at it and like look at the lyrics and kind of understand it in a different way again. Sure, again. Yeah. A bit like what I had with like say the postal service record for me, which is like this continuous thing every single year that I would come back on it. And for me, that kind of almost denotes like a certain amount of value in that record, which is really important. Where like I will relate to this differently every time I come back. A bit like a good film or whatever. For me, like everything you're saying there, I love. But also, what I would say is that the top two for me, being John Hopkins and, and Young Fathers have a transcendent quality that yeah. the Mitski album doesn't quite have because the Mitski album, as brilliant as it is, and it really fucking is brilliant, it does feel contained. It does feel boxed in a little bit. It's like getting a letter in the post that you cling to for 30 years and you go back to it every time. I it can't, can't quite move beyond the letter, but the letter is amazing. Yeah. And it will, I think that might come down to production. And it will, also, like it will, also, it will also emotionally unwrap you. Well, I was, was going to say, I, I can confidently predict, I think she'll do better. 
Do you think in the future? Well, yeah. I mean, look. Oh I'm, yeah, well, she will. She will I'm, course, I'm yeah, looking yeah. at her previous albums and how she was like so obsessed with like distortion and with like doubled vocals and all the rest of it because I think she felt she was looking I for don't a know up to the yeah, pretty yeah. much yeah looking for the power to kind of like push the point across. I think on this record, she doesn't use it. She doesn't need it, and I would hope that that's going to be the way in the future. Okay, so if we're if we're set on that as five to three, mm-hmm. the top two is extremely difficult, and I really don't want to like race to the finish here. But I will say that I have to go with feel. I have to go with my gut here. I have to go with my pure instinct here. And as much as John Hopkins has like completely scaled all of my lists this year and like won me over in so many ways, and it is a phenomenal, phenomenal piece of work. I can't look past Young Fathers. Coco Sugar is the album of the year. Yeah, I mean, I must say, I always had John Hopkins near the top. I always had Young Fathers at the top. Oh, wait. To me, like, everything that you said about the Young Fathers record, right? Every single thing that you said, you can relate back to the John Hopkins record as well. I fully agree. So every single good point on the Young Fathers, you, but you have on Singularity as well, right? Mm. But the only thing that I would say would be better is that the Singularity as an album transcends all genres that it's like it does enough difference spans way more whereas Young Fathers is probably still set in the hip hop world the one thing that is a very convincing argument I will say it is the, the, the argument that I would have is the one that I brought up at the end of the singularity argument which is that if I drops in that one point if I go through the track list there is a song that I could delete. That doesn't from quite bother me so much. I mean, like to me, that that's a very that's a real technical, like that's like a fucking you know pro evolution soccer. Kazuki Ito is the referee. Oh fuck! Like he's going to give us a red card if we so much as look at him. Like 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 you're coming at that from like a like to give you another example, like a, like a strictly come dancing yeah, judge. Because that one didn't work. I'm <laughs> okay, very okay, sorry. Uh, uh, str- <laughs> A, a strictly come dancing judge who's just like not having it man uh, boy do you know the ways to relate to me have video games and strictly come dancing okay what about 146 like, shows Dave okay, and fine, it's like he fine. barely knows me heel referee with a fast count okay gotcha got me yeah. in the end okay fine I'm just saying like I'm not I'm not willing oh, no no here, here's the thing a, a much more clearer language now yeah. I'm not willing to decide this album on a fucking technicality I'm, sure I, I think that's too too difficult too harsh yeah it's extremely tough can, we can, can you feel it, like you've heard can, some of the Young Fathers records stuff before yeah because I've like, heard Young Fathers records before yeah no but I'm more but I've heard I'm John being, Hopkins records before and like you know like it's not a million miles off his previous yeah but like I mean I like I mean if that album was in here it'd be number two as well like like what I would what I would say is that like John Hopkins is is completely and utterly out on his own like there's literally you wouldn't even call it a techno album anymore it's completely transcendent there's so much like other atmospheric stuff this underneath is, this is really difficult like for me, like I, I, I don't think like what the stuff that we're talking about, Young Fathers, where it's like there's nothing, nobody like them. There's we haven't heard anything like them. They're doing something that nobody else is doing. I think that John Hopkins is doing that, but more. <laughs> like, like he's doing it more than what you're saying, Young Fathers. This. I mean, I can't disagree that he is out in his own as well. I just I feel as though, and may, maybe it's simply because we're exposed to so many artists that we could potentially compare to Young Fathers. Yeah. That it feels that much more powerful. I don't know. Now, granted, you are probably exposed to an awful lot more dance music and a lot more electronic producers 
than I mean, I the can, majority of people. I can pretty safely say there's nobody like John Hopkins. Like. Oh yeah, no, 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 no. But I mean, there is there's but, moments but, where there's like. But what I'm what like. I'm saying is that you would be far more familiar with his contemporaries who yeah. aren't quite like him, whereas we would probably in the mainstream be more familiar with an awful lot of hip hop. Yeah, but also to be fair, I mean like this this whole thing aren't and quite I know like young fathers. I know I've already said it's young fathers, but like I am like my, my brain is currently like doing laps and like I'm sitting here in the middle of both of you guys. You're both you're both, you're both looking at me like why can't we go to the ice rink? I want to go to the arcade. I can't do both. I mean, I think if we're in it's a, extremely if we're difficult. Impasse, then we need to come. We need to have an extra good point on one of these albums. Is that how it works, Dahi? Is it? Well, like, I mean, what else are we going to fucking do? We're going to sit here all night. <sighs> no. Um, is there is there something in one of these two albums, like not a not a negative, a positive? Is there a positive on one of these two albums that, that you puts can put it over down, the top? That puts it over the top. I mean, like there probably is, and like, I mean, I. It's so difficult, and and this does call the very nature of even doing like lists into question. The Young Fathers album to me, like, again, it made me feel something like physical. Like you know, we've used that word physical even by the John Hopkins album, and I fully agree. The John Hopkins album in the last, uh, like, critically actively listening to it for the focus of this kind of forum in the last few days, mm-hmm. the last week or so. And also, I did go back to revisit the Young Fathers album, having not listened to it for a bunch of months. So, like, while both albums were incredibly familiar to me, I've only kind of refocused on them from a end of year, really hardcore review point of view, properly in the last kind of I'd say seven days. And that for me is enough because I've listened to them a whole bunch. I guess Hopkins was more emotional, and I mean, even this morning, like, uh, uh, getting up at like six in the morning and going to work in the dark, putting on the John Hopkins album, um. I put out a really fucking pretentious tweet with a link to the album just saying wake up. And, <laughs> but but that's what the album envisions or instills in me and, and, and I envision that kind of thing and like I've said it before like when it comes to this album like I can see a heartbreaking and healing all at once. The Young Fathers album as Cullum says there's a darkness there there's a scariness to it. It's inviting you into an entirely different world. <laughs> I can't decide. I mean... If a gun was put to my head right now, I mean, like, I like, I still think I'd be like, I don't know, man. Give me another ten minutes, please, before you pull that trigger. Uh, it's tough. I'm turning him. I'm turning him. It's not that he's turning me. Like, if anyone's turning me, it's fucking John Hopkins. Uh, oh yeah, of course. Like, <laughs> it wasn't me. Who did. <sighs> like, I don't. Like, again, like, I mean, like, like I said before, this like, is all on Mike. We, we know. This. Yeah, <laughs> we know this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's fine. I mean, like, you know, like, that's I mean, the beauty like, of it. But I, I think, like, again, instinctively, uh, it's it's also on Mike after four beers. But like, yeah. uh, instinctively, <laughs> four. I, ooh, ooh, man. Hey, boy. big balls. Look at them. Uh, check them out. Uh, <laughs> thanks to the beer that doesn't sponsor this podcast. I don't know. I mean, like, Jesus Christ. I I hate that it's coming down to this. I wish there was a more definitive runaway. There isn't. Um, so I'm going to take a minute Colin Regan you speak now well I know, like, I know you're on the Young Father train but like is there anything to play for John Hopkins for you listen I love the John Hopkins album and frankly if I did not agree with it being one of the top two albums yeah, of the yeah. year you'd this have would heard be it yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Um, I honestly think that I've said all I can about the John Hopkins record as far as the Young Father's record is concerned I think I'm excited by the idea that it sounds like they've turned a little bit of a corner here. Right, yeah, yeah. And maybe that just contributes to the excitement of it. I don't know. Look, I've taken a moment, okay? (laughs) And here's where I'm at. 
both these albums, uh, all all five of them really, maybe push it to the mm, less extent, has not given me the sense of like enveloping something around me and like bringing me to a different place. But uh, the one album that did it more and made me kind of just like get something new and felt I felt educated in a different way is Young Fathers. Young Fathers, Coco yeah. Sugar. I have to. It is. It's the album of the year for me. It, 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 like I can't. I can't see past it. Even though John Hopkins is so close. Uh, yeah, and it, I think I, I love I, the I John Hopkins album. Sorry, last thing I say. If anything great has come from this, it's that I have a new appreciation for John Hopkins for an album that I originally thought was a bit front loaded and like you know made its point quickly and kind of like became a bit like hodgepodge. It didn't. There's so much in that back end to actually truly get to know. But the Young Fathers album, from moment to moment, from breath to breath. Yeah. yeah. It just wraps its coils around me, and I, 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 and I don't want to look away. Like also, I, I, also, I didn't mention during that debate there, but like you know, given that I'm going to be making you skip Forbidden Fruit next year, if I was to give John Hopkins my album of the year, it would be really bad to be. But you can't <laughs> get form, to yeah. see him. Um, yeah, and I mean, I think I think you can probably make the point that with with Young Fathers, there is a relatability there that you won't get on Singularity. Now, I will say that that is because I think it's a higher consciousness. I think it's like I think it's like Ooh. a thing that I'm not even able to properly Literally like contemplate, where it's like hitting several different emotions at the same time. So, like, I will say that I, I could probably, as a person, relate to Young Fathers a little bit more. Can yeah. I suggest um, some kind of? So com- I'm willing to concede that. Can I suggest some kind of compromise that we make them our top two? Can, no, 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 not joint, but like. Can know. we do acid at your wedding? <laughs> <laughs> and play the singularity from start to finish like. followed by <laughs> young fathers who I presume will be the wedding band well, was, no, you uh, have to choose the first one first like you have to figure out like, I was going to talk about giving you access to the DJ booth so we'll take it from there right? fantastic okay listen for me number 5 Kids See Ghosts number 4 no, number, fi- number 5 Daytona number 5 Daytona number 4 Kids See Ghosts it's kind of neck and neck yeah. number 3 Mitski number 2 Singularity John Hopkins number 1 Coco Sugar Young Fathers that is the final no encore listing. Dahi. Yeah. Okay, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll sign off on that. Okay. For sure. Cullum signed off on that. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Great work. And I hope s- that and, was. And completely signing off. Fuck. I, I <laughs> hope that was like. Oh, Jesus <laughs> oh, Christ. <laughs> oh, man. No, you're not. You'll be back. You'll be back. You'll be back. I'll be back. He'll, He'll be, be back. back. Is there anything you want to say to the listeners before you go? No, look, I mean. Uh, I, okay. Name. If they've hung on through that. <laughs> yeah, I, 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 I was going to say, I've nothing prepared. No, I had loads of things prepared, like research on 20 albums. <laughs> Um, I definitely don't have anything prepared for this. Uh, thank you all for listening. Um, it's genuinely been a pleasure. Uh, the reason I got involved with this podcast in the first place was because I felt I could do a bit more in terms of uh, what was going on with you know music discussion and music journalism and Irish music than I had been doing in my former job. Um, I've done it for close to three years now it's been a pleasure doing it with Dave and Craig um, from the very start was uh, you know as nice a situation as you could ask for bringing Dahi in was obviously a, a great addition uh, as well a um, lot of great memories live shows especially I think stand out because getting to actually meet listeners and fans of the show which you know we never get to do um, sitting in the studio was extra special and uh, yeah I'd, I'd leave with lots of very nice memories and like Dave says yeah I will be back I wouldn't be leaving if I didn't have to and when I get the opportunities yeah I'll I'll pop by thank you so much man thank you thank you 
And thank you, Dahi, as well. Thank you, everyone, for listening to No Encore this year. We will be back in 2019. And to play us out this year, our contentious album of the year winner, <laughs> Young Fathers. Cullum, it's your last show. Why don't you pick the song? In My View. Good choice, man. This has been No Encore for the entire fucking year. Thank you one more time. My name is David William Hanrady. This has been No Encore. There will be No Encore. We will return. This is Young Father's Coco Sugar album of the year. Check out our top five. Check out our top 20. Check out all of it and keep listening. Love you. Lay my belly on a woman. Leave her dancing for the lala. Take her for the damn, the damn, the damn. In my view, nothing's ever given away. I believe to advance, then you must be. In my view, that will never come my way. So when I leave, you'll be dancing on my way. I wanna be king until I am. A man is just a man. is part of the Headstuff Podcast Network. At Total Wine & More, we know what pairs perfectly with summer. Go ahead, test us. What goes best with a beach trip? This crisp rosé. A pool party? Try these craft beers. Oh, you're good. Wondrous selection, helpful guides, ridiculously low prices. Total Wine & More.
Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.